0: Yeah, yeah.
1: episode of Name Two Bands with Andy and Andy. As ever, I am Andy Brown, and with me as always is Andy Samford. How are you, Andy? I'm tired. Yeah, so you said, stayed up too late, woke up <laughs> too early.
2: <laughs> well, I had to go shopping, so. Yeah,
1: and uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode. Um, I don't think you're going to have too much to say, Andy, on this one, uh, but we do have yeah, a guest with a- us. Um, we have 1970s uh, journeyman uh, infielder Manny Trio. How are you, Manny?
3: <laughs> I'm doing good. I'm doing good. We're very. I happy, don't know about you. journeyman though. <laughs>
1: I guess he was a starter for a while. Phillies. Yeah, for the Phillies. Most of his career. Listen, was. I just wanted
3: to say though, man, what an honor it is to be on the show. Oh wow! I've been listening to Andy and Andy. Since I was 11 years old.
2: <laughs> Amazing. I mean, I
3: used to, like, sneak a transistor radio under the covers and, like, turn it down real low so my mom wouldn't hear.
1: And wow, now that's here I am
3: on the fucking show.
1: Yeah, dreams really do come true.
2: Fuck yeah. yeah if, if you put your dreams to work, your dreams will work for you. <laughs>
1: So, uh, before we get into the, uh, music, and, uh, this is gonna make Andy even more bored here, uh, I did wanna talk a little football with you, Manny. <laughs>
2: uh, Are we talking soccer?
1: Yep, yep. Yep, European football. football. Uh, so, uh, pretty good game this weekend, wouldn't you say? For Manchester United?
3: I mean, I, f- the, you know, the season's over, it's really, Nothing that really happens matters at this point. So,
1: yeah, Paul Pogba apparently can play football, though. Who knew?
3: <laughs> yeah, right. If only <laughs> if only he starts.
1: Yeah, if uh, Jose Mourinho knew that, that would uh, certainly help. So, what is your thinking there? Like, what is going on in Mourinho's mind? Not playing Pogba so often, and when he does play him, using him as kind of a holding midfielder.
3: Well, I think the problem is with the rest of the the squad that he has, four two, three, one is kind of the best use of everybody else, but then right. that means Pogba has to play as a defensive midfielder. And he's really not that good of a player in that position.
1: No. That is um, definitely. So
3: you not could the best argue reasons, no. like it should be four three three with the whole approach built around Pogba. But I think the the ideas with the other players they have, Hogba has to fit into the system rather than the other way around. At least that's what Mourinho's thinking. I'm not saying I necessarily agree.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you don't agree with that, actually. And wasn't that the whole point of uh, bringing in Matic, that he would be the defensive midfielder?
3: Yeah, but then the other, like the third guy in the midfield three hasn't really been... um, you know, nobody has really distinguished themselves in that role. Right. And now yeah. in those attacking midfielders, you know, positions, you've got Martial, Rashford, Sanchez, Mata, Lingard. And yeah. it's hard to play with less than three of those guys.
1: Yeah, that's true. I guess that is kind of a roster construction problem. And I, I suppose probably... Um, it was not uh shoot, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name. The manager, Mourinho. Um I'm guessing that it was not his idea, probably to bring in Pogba. That was probably the board's idea. Um, just for marketing purposes, I would imagine.
3: Uh, I I think um pa- I mean I think Mourinho definitely would have wanted him.
2: What team does Pele play for these days? <laughs>
3: uh I
1: think he's uh retired at this point, I think.
2: Um, and what about that guy that's married to the all the Spice Girls?
1: Oh, Beckham? Yeah, he's been retired for a <laughs> while. But he he did play for Manchester United, so... Nice. <laughs> and uh, you did mention, and uh, uh, I guess this maybe makes you a little bit of a, a bad Manchester United fan, um, but that you really enjoy watching uh, this Liverpool team. Is that correct? Who said that? I thought you said that.
3: No, come on, man.
1: <laughs> I could have sworn You said that. Um,
3: yeah, I did say that. I think um, I'm. You know, I don't. I don't really want them to win Champions League, though. I don't want any other team from England to win Champions League.
1: Of course, of course not. They are really fun as hell to watch, though, especially when they're cooking with gas, like they were against City the other day.
3: Yeah, no doubt. Um, they haven't yeah. missed a beat since selling Coutinho.
1: No, actually, Rick and I were talking the other night on the other podcast. We think that they're actually better um, without Coutinho because um, he, as good as he is, and he is great, um, he doesn't really fit, um, I don't think, what Klopp tries to do. And Oxley chamberlain yeah. is a, actually a better fit. Um, he's more direct with, like, pace and power. He doesn't really linger on the ball um, and try to make shit happen where there isn't anything. Um I guess, uh, the one last question I'd have for you on, uh, on this subject is, uh, so we're now two years into Mourinho at Manchester United. Um, they didn't win, um, the Europa League last year, which I guess that's something, um, they're going to finish second this year, it looks like for sure, but they're not going to win. Um, I guess they're still in the FA Cup, um, but even let's say they win the FA Cup, like whoop-dee-doo, um. How much pressure do you think he's uh, has heading into year three?
3: Um, I mean, there's no pressure before year three. I think at this point Uh, qualifying for champions league is enough. Um, But the, but next year there'll be a huge amount of pressure. And I think if he's not able to um, contend for at least contend for the the title, then he will be gone.
1: Yeah. And it, could even be early in the season, depending on how things go, I think. Um, and I don't think City's yeah, going to get any worse. Um, Liverpool is probably going to be better, um, especially with Nabi Kaida coming in. Um, Spurs are going to be there as always. So uh, could be tough, could be dicey. Um, that's probably enough uh, football for one week. Uh, so uh, let's Yeah, what tackle- do you think,
2: S- Sanford? I think that's enough football for this week.
1: (laughs) You got any baseball thoughts, Andy? Otani. Yeah, Otani. It's a fun story for sure.
3: But uh, Samford, you're a Braves fan, right? I'm not a what? You're a Braves fan, right?
2: Well, yeah, I've lived in Atlanta all my life, so I'm a Braves fan. Although I've felt a bit. Did you happen to catch the score
3: tonight? I didn't see what happened.
2: Oh tonight no I hadn't been I haven't been watching tonight.
3: Okay, well we can talk about that later. <laughs> That's what the internet is for. Um so I, I feel like, you know, the uh Max Scherzer really has a weakness for the Braves. So I'm kinda suspecting they got to him early. It's possible.
1: Well I got the, the beat up last right week. here, let's look. <laughs> yeah, you're being trolled, Andy.
2: Oh yeah, what happened? <laughs>
1: Uh, he too hit him.
2: Oh, nice! With well, uh, no uh, they, no walks they got and ten Sorry week. to hear yeah. that, man. <laughs> they got him last week. That's fine. It's the Braves. <laughs> I'm not expecting really more than seventy five wins this year. So yeah, they are six and four. So that will be far. real good. So there's that's. Something. Oh yeah, they're they're best offense in baseball as of like yesterday. But yeah, that's <laughs> probably,
1: that's probably not gonna last. Uh, I wouldn't imagine. <laughs> um, so last week, uh, we did our, our worst songs, uh, appreciation. And, uh, we did, uh, feature miracles. Um, but I did keep my promise to you, Manny, but I did put that song in context of what it was about. And, uh, we talked a little bit about you, um, and, uh, how you are absolutely 100% non ironically a, uh, insane clown Posse fan, even though you realize Ooh. how, how silly some of it is. Um, so why don't you go ahead and tell everybody kind of just how that came about?
3: Oh man, that's a really long story and it's hard to tell with this <laughs> echo. Um, I mean, i it's t- to make a long story short, it started as, as kind of an anthropological interest. Like I learned about uh, this fan base of, of a band of a, you know, crappy like rap rock band from, the '90s that I remember, like thinking were awful, and seeing on all these like worst bands of all times list and everything, and like they they have this really passionate following, of, and I was totally curious, like what the fuck that was about. Right. Um, and you know, the more I learned about it, the more kind of interested I got in it, and the more I started, you know, listening to insane clown posse and related artists for research purposes. And, you know, at first it was awful. And then I don't know, like I just started to, um, get some of those songs in my head and start playing them. And you know what, like before I I knew it, I was totally a fan of insane clown posse. Yeah. And, you know, I continued to kind of like learn about the culture and be like a part of it a little bit. Um, and it was, like, a totally fascinating experience, totally exciting time. Um, but I think it's probably kind of over now.
1: Yeah. Uh, why don't you kind of, like, uh, in the Cliff Notes version, tell us uh, about what happened when you went to the gathering. Because that sounded like quite the experience.
3: Well, I went twice. Um, but the last time I went was kind of the most exciting time. Um, yeah so I, I kind of met up with a couple groups of people that I had found, uh, online. One of them was really cool. And then I kind of went on to the next group and there was something weird about, uh, talking to them and kind of like what, what their deal was. And then, um, like, I kind of realized that I was really fucked up. And so I got up and just sort of like acted like I was going to the bathroom and walked away. And I didn't know like what was uh, in my system or like what was going on. So I went to my car in the parking lot and I went in there and I sat down and I thought, like, fuck, I have to call my wife, you know. And that was a a terrible move. Um, But anyways, it turned out that it was just like a, relatively small dose of LSD. So I just kind of hung out and like, whatever it was, it was fine after that. I had to go to like the medical tent for a couple hours, but I think, um, you know, that phone call kind of put a real damper on things along with, with having a child, which makes, makes it so that you can't just like fly to Detroit for juggalo day and stuff like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I mean, Getting uh, dosed on LSD without your knowledge, that cannot be a pleasant experience because it's pretty overwhelming as it is. Um,
3: Well, I mean, I had done it like plenty in high school and not really since then, which is why I didn't recognize it at first. But it was not like a high dose at all. So once I realized what it was, it was totally fine. It was just when I didn't know what was hitting me. And I got freaked out. But but yeah, that's that story.
1: (laughs) We kind of came to the conclusion, right, that uh, the one dude slipped it in your beer, we think, most likely.
3: I think so, but I still don't really know. Yeah,
1: of course, you'll never really know. Um,
2: You know, at Dead Shows, there would be people going around with squirt guns filled with liquid LSD, but it was always done with consent. They were just going around squirting people without them. Being aware of what was happening or wanting it to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's definitely not a cool thing to do to somebody.
2: Um, no, it's totally not cool. Yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, that was, I'm sure, quite the interesting experience. Um,
2: Apparently, that's what happened to uh, Gigi Allen.
1: And uh, Sid Barrett as well. That was part of what contributed to his decline was uh, people thinking it would be really cool to trip with Sid. So they'd give, him and just give it to him without, him without telling him. him. Yeah. yeah yeah ah. which uh when you're already kind of going insane that certainly can't be helpful. Um, doesn't help. No. Um so uh I forgot to ask you uh offline. This is an
2: important lesson kids. Do not yes. give crazy people psychedelics. Very important.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or just do not give anybody psychedelics against their will without their
2: their knowledge. I mean even if, if, if a crazy person wants psychedelics don't don't give them. Yeah. Dinner.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Don't definitely do not do that. Uh, I've pre- like back in my younger, younger days, cause I haven't yeah. done LSD in a long ass time either. Um, uh, back in my younger days, I saw some people, uh, have really, really bad reactions to it. Um, so, and I'm sure they had ex- existing, uh, mental health problems prior to that, but that will definitely bring it out. Um, Oh yeah. So uh, I forgot, I forgot to ask you, uh, Earlier, Andy offline um did you get a chance to uh review that record yet
2: negative sir all right we'll we'll pick up with that segment sometime (laughs) in the future
1: yeah we'll uh we'll skip it once again this week uh just no big deal
2: I'm slack
1: um and uh we forgot to mention at the outset but it should be clear uh from the show title that uh this week we are going to be discussing uh Andy's two favorites um public and Vanilla ice and snow
2: <laughs>
1: no ice and snow yes uh yeah. it's our hip-hop podcast um we're going to be discussing public enemy and uh nwa and as usual
2: yeah boy yeah, boy. we will
1: play into it with a clip hello yes hello yes uh i've seen these guys i saw them warm-up for the beastie boys last year how are they
0: how were they? I thought it was one of the most appalling things I have ever seen. There were two gentlemen in cages on either side of the stage with fake Uzis. There were, uh, Jesus, it, it was unbelievable. And when I see somebody who's wearing one of their shirts, I think that
2: they're scum too. Hello, yes, dear neighbor. It. Hello, yes,
0: neighbor. Yeah, why do you even pay homage to his by putting these monkeys on? Hello?
2: Hello? He doesn't have the guts to tell him that. He doesn't know what he's talking about.
1: Hello? Yes,
2: you have Yes, you have Terminator X. Thank you. Terminator X is one of the members of the group. On the air. On the air. On the air. Go back to Africa. Okay, we're going (laughs) to, (laughs) uh, believe me, when we go to these phones, people are going to tell you to do just that, Chuck. Hello? Yes, hello. Yes, Alan. Um, I think that white right liberals like yourself have difficulty understanding that Chuck's views represents uh, the frustrations of the majority of black youth out there today. I do understand that. Yeah, but before he came on, you were branding. Well, if you had read the stuff I'd read about him uh, and the way he's been portrayed in the American uh, press. <laughs> this is- this is a journey. Yeah, Down. journey.
0: Attack. So I sack and tap and slap, it, slap it, uh, the uh, Mac. Now I'm ready to mind it. Give my favoritism, Rolo. Never be a brother like me, go solo. Laser Anastasia Major. Ways to blaze your brain and train ya. The way I'm living, forgiving. What I'm giving up. Expo on the flex, forgiving I don't know about later. And for now, I know how to avoid the paranoid. Man, I'm it up to here. Yeah, I wear, got am going in fear. Rhetoric, just a better go, and not quick to go sign the hard rhymer. Work to keep from getting jerked, changing some ways. The way back in the better days, raw metaphysically bold, never follow the code, still drop the load. Never question what I am, God knows. Heh, cloak is coming from the heart. What I got, better get something on up, hustler of culture. Snake bitten, bitch bit in the face, but the rhymes keep fitting. Respect's been given. How's your living? Now I can't protect. i paid off feedback. Check the record and reckon. Innatural wreck. Brave, offer of some intellect. Made the call, took the fall, broke the laws. Not my fault that they're falling off. Noon is fair square throughout my years. So I growl at the living vowel. Black to the bone, my home is your home. But well, welcome to the Teledome. Now NWA court is in full effect. Judge gray residing. In the case of NWA versus the police department, prosecuting attorneys all
4: MC Rand, Ice Cube, and Easy Motherfucking E. Order, order, order. Ice Cube, take the motherfucking stand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth still help your black ass? You goddamn right. Won't you tell everybody what the fuck you gotta say?
1: uh at the outset we're going to state uh which one we personally prefer and uh since you're not going to have all that much to say uh go ahead andy
2: i like public enemy better uh i like bring the noise i like uh, and i like the version they did with anthrax as well it was awesome yeah and uh flavor flav is very entertaining extremely and um <laughs> i just yeah I, i'm
3: uh I'm more of a Public Enemy fan.
1: How about you, Manny?
3: Uh, Well, so we're supposed to talk about which one we personally prefer or which one is, like, a more significant, influential, historical artist. Um, Because I think think there's a difference, right?
1: Either or both. You can say both if you want.
3: Well, I'm going to try to be objective. Okay. And, I mean, I think it's not even close. Like, I, I think we can talk more about this later, but I think public enemies is about the m- most underrated, uh, musical artist or even pop culture phenomenon in terms of how influential they were later on.
1: Absolutely. Um,
3: and for me, like NWA is kind of, uh, like there's certainly a greatness there, but it's more about the marketing and, um, I mean, there was certainly a lot of talent behind the group, but I think it was more kind of bringing that style into the mainstream that kind of led to the jumping off point to rap really going mainstream. Yeah. But, you know, that's my, my like, for me, it's kind of like if you were to take a great uh, boxer in their era, like um, Evander Holyfield or something, that would be like NWA and you stick him in the ring and they're going to be fighting fucking Superman. you know it's like superman's just gonna fucking crack their skull
1: yeah yeah it's it's not much of a competition for me either um and the reason i wanted to do uh these two together though is because uh these both were very formative for me uh musically speaking but especially public enemy um because like my parents um although i realized later that um they were actually they do have their racist tendencies like everybody does. Um but they did definitely raise me to be pretty colorblind. And so when I was a kid, I like fucking loved yoMTV TV raps. Um and I <laughs> adored black music, black culture, black fashion. Um and I, I remember Freddie. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. And Doctor Dre, actually. Um and The other Doctor Dre. The other Doctor Dre. And I, I very distinctly remember going to this birthday party at a friend's house, uh, when we were in fifth grade and his parents were fine with us watching like whatever movie. Um, so I convinced everybody that we needed to rent, do the right thing. Um, and <laughs> from like a social sense for me, that was a total failure because everybody made fun of me for it and hated it. Um, but I fucking loved it. Um, and that's of, I think the first time I, Well, I guess I'd seen him on Yo M T V raps, but Fight the Power in that movie like made a huge impression on me. And from there, like I read, you know, Malcolm X's autobiography and so forth. Um and I realize now this is like textbook uh cultural appropriation, but I basically considered myself a white black militant when I was like ten or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So um so I I'm de- yeah, I definitely got to go with Public Enemy on this one. Um and so I guess their first album was uh Yo Bum Rush the Show and I'd say that's just okay. Um Chuck D's voice was already pretty developed. Um Flav already had his kind of court jester persona down. Um but the music was uh pretty prosaic. Um and uh then our next album, of course, was uh, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Um, that came out in 1988, and for the time, it was fucking amazing. Uh, like, the beats and the music, they were a huge step forward um, from what was standard at the time. And they had just great songs, like Bring the Noise, uh, Don't Believe the Hype, um, Louder Than a Bomb, um, Caught, Can We Get a Witness, Show Them What You Got, uh, Night of Living Bassheads, she watched Channel Zero, and um I think for this album and the next album, um, the real big thing was I mean, Chuck D and Flavor Flavor, great. Um, but it was more uh Terminator X and uh The Bomb Squad. Um but in any case that album was a huge breakthrough and a, a really big deal. Um you have any thoughts on that one, Manny?
3: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean the thing about Public Enemy is that you know, modern. So like in the early days of rap, like the beat was just something for people to rap over. People would use yep. the same beats. Yep. And, you know, it was kind of like uh, Eric B and Rakim where the, the DJ actually got some recognition, but, but that was more like, cause they could scratch, but the actual like modern idea of hip hop production where it's like layered track after track You can sample from all over the place, from, like, movies, different music, and, like, a beat is something that you craft in the studio over weeks and weeks. Like, that was invented by Terminator X and the Bond Squad. And that's still kind of, like, the main paradigm in hip-hop, and that's, you know, that's something that has endured. And then it's, like, not only that, but... Flavor Flav invented the idea of the Hype Man. Yeah, yeah. And again, like, that's still something that's, that we see in hip-hop, you know? And that's, like, those are two objective facts, right? And we haven't even talked about Chuck D.
1: Yeah, and let's go ahead and, and start talking about Chuck D. because, I mean, there was, um, prior to this, um, there was Boogie Down Productions, of course, um, and uh, KRS-One who did have kind of a lot of um socially relevant um hip hop lyrics but it was really Chuck D um who like pretty much all their songs um were extremely political and socially minded.
2: Are you saying Run-DMC weren't culturally relevant?
1: Not saying that they weren't culturally relevant <laughs> um <laughs> just that
2: uh, they weren't uh, socially conscious.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's more what I'm they saying. They were just illin'.
2: And- yeah, they, were, yeah, just they were dope
3: as fuck, though.
1: Yeah, for sure. They definitely were. Um, yeah, and that Run DMC would actually be the first big, uh, I would say, breakthrough of hip-hop into the mainstream. Um,
2: I even owned Raising Hell.
1: Yeah, yeah, who didn't? <laughs> um, and I, I was also going to say, because um, I know Paul's Boutique um, kind of gets credit for basically what we were just talking about uh, with Public Enemy and, like, moving hip-hop forward away from just a standard beat that you just rap over and using uh, recognizable samples and things like that. And as great as that was, I mean, and it is great, it's a great album, but uh, Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back came first. Um, and I know it, it wasn't even just hip-hop that uh, was influenced by that. I know uh, the Chemical Brothers are on record as saying that um, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back was basically their biggest influence
3: definitely well let me let me ask you guys a question so I would argue that in their genre of music, public enemy are the undisputed number one band of all time with with one other competitor in a different genre
1: who's the other competitor in the different
3: tell, genre? you tell me
1: uh I don't know. <laughs>
2: I'm confused by the question.
1: <laughs> I guess uh, the Beatles, maybe? I don't know.
3: So, so uh, Andy, the question is... I thought Kendrick Lamar was the Beatles of hip-hop.
1: Uh, huh? I said uh, Actually, I can Kendrick see why Lamar that is and a Andy non-crazy hip-hop. statement.
3: Right. Okay. <laughs> like, just about six months ago. <laughs> as long as we've got that straight. Yeah, he's so amazing.
1: <laughs> I, I would maintain that Kendrick Lamar is probably the best MC uh, that's ever been put on this planet, um, but I would definitely agree that uh, Public Enemy were the best uh, hip hop group of all time. No comparison. But if, if we're
3: talking about like a single band that's influential in their genre, I, I don't there's know. Kind of Public Enemy and one other band in a different genre. Black Sabbath. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs>
1: It is indeed Black Sabbath, eh? Yeah, I guess that that's uh, yeah. true. Oh yeah,
3: I mean heavy metal they today would be, still sounds like Sabbath. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Most influential a lot of heavy metal, metal today, at
2: least. Yeah. So Public Enemy has that much influence over uh over the course of since they've been around for hip hop? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And the next that's album cool. actually uh this is where for me this is where it really took off uh was Fear of a of a Black Planet. Um Because musically, this album is not like anything before or since. Um, It still sounds like it sounds state of the art today. Um, It's amazing. Except back then, you could still use uh, recognizable samples and get away with it. Um, Now, you of course you have to pay for it. And then on top of that, I think that uh, Chuck D was at the top of his game on this one. Um, They covered everything from. Uh, like mixed race relationships, um, 911 not responding to calls in black neighborhoods, um, AIDS, um, Hollywood tokenizing black people, um, the criminal justice system, sexism in the black community. Like it's really just amazing. I, I would, for me, uh, it's the best hip hop album that has ever been released.
3: I mean, I would definitely put Nation of Millions ahead of Fight the Power.
1: You would? Yeah.
3: Fear I wouldn't of a black planet
1: rather. Yeah, I wouldn't strenuously disagree, um, but I, I do think Fear of a Black Planet was better. Um, that might just be a personal taste kind of thing. Um, yeah, probably. And then
2: have I? Have you guys seen Fear of a Black Hat? No. Must see.
1: What is it? I've never. I don't think I've ever, ever even heard of it.
2: It's like uh, the Spinal Tap of rap. Oh, okay. <laughs> I might have starring, to check that out at some point Then And NWH.
1: And, uh, then their fourth album after that, uh, was Apocalypse 91. Uh, the enemy strikes black. <laughs> um,
3: nice transition.
1: Yes. <laughs> I wasn't going to touch it. Um, <laughs> and that was <laughs> the not the
2: band. What do you want? <laughs> uh,
1: that was not as good. I wouldn't say. Um, but it's still really pretty good. Um, can't Trust It is an absolute classic. And that is also where they had the uh, collaboration on Bring the Noise with Anthrax. And that basically makes that Aerosmith and Run DMC collaboration look like a joke, I would say.
2: Oh, yeah, Barry's.
1: As I, I didn't even really like the Aerosmith-Run DMC song.
2: Was there, wasn't there a version of Bring the Noise before the one with Anthrax? Yeah, it
1: was on yeah, uh, that was
2: a cover,
3: Nation of Millions.
1: Yeah, it was okay, on a Nation cool. of Millions. And, then and, and something
3: about that track too I mean that's such a great illustration of what makes Chuck D so awesome because that first verse is like totally iconic but there's this weird line in there where um, you know he says once again back is the incredible raw yep. animal the uncannable and yeah, I guess cool. the idea is like you can't put it in a can because it's so fresh or something <laughs> <laughs> but it's totally awkward and weird.
1: But it works And yet,
3: somehow. like, nobody even says anything about it or even notices it because Chuck T just delivers the line with such authority.
1: Yeah, yeah, Chuck T's pretty untouchable. Um, and then I don't really care for much of the rest of the stuff they put out. Um, like that He Got Game song, I thought, was actually kind of cringeworthy. Um, I don't know if you, have you ever listened to uh, There's a Poison going on, Mammy.
3: No, I haven't listened to really anything after uh, Apocalypse 91.
1: Yeah, well, that album is actually really great. Um, yeah. It's it's not quite like peak level, but you put it on on headphones and it's kind of like an audiophile's wet dream. Like the production on that is just amazing. Um, and Chuck D, you know, it's always going to be Chuck D, so... Um, but I guess, uh, we should talk about, uh, there is, of course, some controversy with Public Enemy. Um, especially as it relates to, uh, anti-Semitism. Um, because they did, uh, sample and name check, uh, Louis Farrakhan multiple times. Um, and Louis Farrakhan, of course, is, a basically unreconstructed anti-Semite. Um, and, Progressor Griff, um, who was their leader of, uh, he was their minister of information. Um, he gave an interview, uh, in London where he basically, um, said the Jews were the cause of all the evil in the world, more or less. Um, and, yeah, oops. Um, and there were rumors that the band was going to break up. Um, they kicked him out of the band for a minute. He came back in for a minute, um, and then eventually was kicked out and replaced by Sister Soldier <laughs> 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 who, uh, rather, uh, famously, um, declared that, uh, black people should take a day off from killing black people and, uh, kill white people instead, um, which led to, uh, the Sister soldier moment where, uh, Bill Clinton, um, threw her under the bus, uh, rather famously and racistly, um, because Bill Clinton cynically used race for his purposes. Um, and there was also a very controversial video, um, for what was called the song, uh, by the time I get to Arizona, which was about Arizona refusing to, um, recognize Martin Luther King day. And in the video, um, they basically, um, March down to Arizona and then, um, kill white politicians, <laughs> which I actually love that video. Clip. Kill whitey. Um, so we, we should note those things. Um, the, the anti-Semitism in particular is kind of unforgivable. Um, even in, uh, one song, uh, Chuck D even says, uh, told the rab, get off the rag. So told the rabbi to get off the rag for apparently objecting to Progressor Griff's uh, comments. Um, I don't know if you have I don't think you can to... have
2: fema- female rabbis, can you?
1: No. Um...
2: See, so that makes
3: no sense <laughs> at all.
1: So I don't know if uh, you have any thoughts on that, Benny.
3: I mean, I guess to me, it's not really, like, about trying to form a judgment about, like, the totality of their perspective or something. Mm. So, like, who? I, you know, I don't really care if... They were politically objectionable in some respects I think they yeah. certainly you know beyond that meant a lot to a lot of people I mean I went to um the um, opening concert at the smithsonian um, Museum of African American history and Culture, and public enemy was was performing and uh like most of the audience was um African-American people, like about my age, a little bit older. And I've, like, I couldn't believe how many people knew the words to every single song and were just, right. like, so hype as hell to be there. Yeah. And, you know, and, like, the only band I've ever seen where a greater percentage of the audience knows the, every single word to every single song is the Insane Clown Posse.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine so on that.
3: Um you need and- to Ween.
1: Yeah, that's true too. And, uh, Could be. probably, ki- probably kiss as well. Um, yeah. And, uh, as far as, uh, as Farrakhan goes, um, and periodically he gets dredged up. Like, uh, there was recent controversy with Keith Ellison, um, the congressman for having met with Farrakhan. And he's a very easy, I think, target, um, for kind of white conservatives to drag people with, um, because he is, it's yeah, true. exactly. He is true. He's definitely an anti-Semite. That is true. Um, but his main message is very much black empowerment. Um, I mean, he was kind of the successor to Malcolm X, um, after he had helped, uh, have Malcolm X killed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's kind of the only, <laughs>
3: um, you know, prominent person coming from that perspective. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's what public enemy is endorsing and, you know, there's maybe some problematic things that go along with that, but like, they don't really care, you know, like their reality is the people around them.
1: Yeah. And other than, um, other than that one line that I mentioned, which was kind of a throwaway line, um, there's nothing in, uh, public enemy's lyrics that's, that's anti-Semitic at all. Um, and, really the, their main message is is black empowerment um which in the 1980s um there really wasn't all that much of um so that was yeah a, exactly a, that's why they were such a big deal um so yeah i will i will stand for public enemy always they're my favorite um hip hop group of all time and i like i said i think uh kendrick lamar is the best mc Probably who's ever walked the earth, but, uh, Public Enemy is still better. However, uh, we have another group we're gonna talk about, uh, which is, of <laughs> course, NWA. Um, and I will say that first off, Straight Out of Compton is a true classic. Um, and that was a real revolution, revelation, um, when that hit. Um, and I do have some criticisms of it, um, in stark contrast with Public Enemy, um, the, treatment of women on that album is just horrible. Um, and it also led to the gangster rap genre, um, which I think by and large was a mistake. Um, but still the title song, um, Fuck the Police, Gangsta Gangsta, Express Yourself, um, Dope Man, uh, they're just amazing songs on there. Um, there's a few clunkers as well, um, but it also did give us the irony of, of uh, Dr. Dre rapping on that album. Uh, I don't sw- smoke weed or cess because it's known to give a brother brain damage, and brain damage <laughs> on the mic don't manage nothing except making a sucker and you equal. <laughs> Which is, uh,
3: I think he changed his mind. Yes, he changed.
1: His mind. <laughs> I, b- I believe he did change his mind. Um, you know and... what,
3: though, on the on the same by the same token, I've heard Chuck D uh, doing a guest appearance on a John Spencer Blues Explosion album. Really? In which he was clearly drunk and slurring his words.
1: Oh, that's very interesting.
3: And he's got that, that track, One Million Bottle Bags.
1: Yeah, yeah. They were very um, stridently uh, against alcohol and drugs. Um, and a, no surprise, um, Flavor, I guess he Flav, changed his mind. Flavor Flav got a, a drug bust at one point, which was not at all. Surprising in any way whatsoever. Yeah. I
3: don't know if Flavor Flav was for or against anything.
1: <laughs> I think Flavor Flav was... Uh, he was for, for
3: clocks. Yeah, he was <laughs> yeah, definitely <exactly>. for
1: clocks. <laughs> Absolutely in favor of clocks. Uh, like nobody else in history. Um,
3: yeah, that's kind of the only discernible facet of <laughs> Flavor Flav's ideology. Though, and hats. Pro clocks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, big hats, also very much in favor of big hats. Um, and I don't even remember honestly how I got straight out of Compton. I remember that I had straight out of Compton, um, on tape. And I remember one evening I came home from a friend's house and my parents were sitting there and they asked me to come sit down and, uh, they had a tape deck and they pressed play and it, Straight out of Compton, crazy motherfucking name, Ice Cube, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that that tape got broken in half. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> uh, but uh, what what are your thoughts on uh, that album, Manny?
3: I mean, to be honest, I haven't listened to it a whole lot. Um, for me, I kind of question a little bit whether um, you know people people might say that. Um, Straight out of compton kind of like captured the spirit of the times, particularly in terms of los angeles and and racial tensions there and everything. but yeah, I sort of wonder if it was really like n w a that was breaking new ground in that respect, or if n w a was just kind of one of the groups that was the most marketable and talented I mean they're definitely super talented ice cube, one of the best lyricists yeah. of all time great yes. MC. and they all went
2: on to have successful
3: solo careers i think yeah and uh well not i mean not I mc Ren or the, Yellow, uh, but uh dr dre's the chronic was really like that was the first kind of mega selling rap album yes. And so nwa was the very beginning of kind of getting rap into the mainstream and i think the i mean the real innovation of of Kind of N.W.A.'s version of gangster rap, which predates them by quite a lot, was just kind of bringing it to a new audience and and being the the vehicle through which it was kind of more mass marketed.
1: Yeah, that gangster rap. You're correct. Gangster rap definitely did exist prior to uh, um, N.W.A. and They were the ones that brought it mainstream. Um, really, the the big innovation for N.W.A. is that they were. Really the first big, um, West Coast, um, rap group of any mm-hmm. note. Um, it had previously been basically a New York, um, led genre. Um, and so for better or for the wor- or worse, um, basically everything that, um, came from West Coast rap, um, all stems from NWA. So after that album, um, which, that album was huge, um, massive, and I still think it was a, it's a great record. Um, Ice Cube went solo, um, which for him obviously was a very good decision, um, cause he went on to sell <laughs> millions and millions of albums. Um, and of course also he has a rap career, or a acting career, excuse me. Um, and so after that, NWA put out an EP, um, called a hundred miles and running. Um, the title track is great. Uh, but the rest of it is not great. Um, they took a lot of shots at ice cube on it. Um, and the second track on the album is called, uh, just don't bite it, which is about exactly what you think it's about. Um, and (laughs) it is terrible, terrible. Um, And, even more unfortunate, uh, their third record, and uh, I was going to avoid the trap that Andy laid for himself, um, and call it FL4Zagin, which is how the title is uh, stated on the cover, um, to avoid saying the word (laughs) that white people probably shouldn't use as a general rule. Uh, And, and Pretty much all I have to say about this one is I mean, if, it's that,
2: the na- if it's the if it's an artistic name that they're going by, I mean I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm Plus not I'm when not... it's when it's when it's spelled with a z, I think it's slightly <laughs> less offensive.
1: I'm not <laughs> going to judge you for it, and I, I'm not making any judgment of you, but I I personally am not going to say it, the word. Um, all good. Basically, what I have to say about this record, and this is this was their. Third or second and final record proper, um, is that Dr. Dre showed amazing growth as a producer, um, between the first album is, and this one. And the album just sounds, uh, amazing. Um, and it was really, um, kind of laying the groundwork for, uh, his solo success that he would go on to have because, um, Dr. Dre is not, uh, a very good MC. Um, by any means. Um, but he is a great producer. And the lyrics, however, on that album are quite, uh, unfortunate. Um, <laughs> Straight Out of Compton had a lot of misogyny on it, as I mentioned before. Um, but on this one, it curdles into like outright violence. Um, and of course.
2: Good time to cue the police siren. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And, of course, uh... Where's that happening? Is that is that in, uh... You guys,
2: keep, it or keep it
1: <laughs> It's the fuzz, man. All right, we're good. All right. And, of course, uh... Dr. Dre subsequently beating up, um... Dee Barnes, um... Doesn't really exactly help matters in terms of thinking of it as, like, just artistic expression. Basically, N- N- NWA were all really sexist. Um... They also had extremely homophobic lyrics as well. Um, all of which is very unfortunate. Um,
2: but not uncommon from that time period. No,
1: but no. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I mean by, um, where they kind of helped like push, uh, gangster rap into the mainstream and why that, uh, kind of was an unfortunate development, all things considered is because the like, um, lyrics about bitches and hoes and this and that, like it became just unbelievably common And like... when are we doing the Two Life Crew episode? <laughs> I don't know that we'll get to Two Life Crew.
3: <laughs> yeah. And playing into stereotypes that are not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And romanticizing those stereotypes, which makes it even more complicated.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, there's... Um, there's kind of a couple ways to look at it. And one, I guess the, the positive way to look at it is that they were just looking around and seeing what was going on in Compton. Um, and just writing what they knew, you know? Um, and so on that level, it makes some sense. Uh, but on the other hand, yeah, they are just perpetuating stereotypes and kind of profiting off of, um, off of that. Yeah, and I,
3: I don't know if I would blame NWA for that, but certainly, like you were saying, the whole gangster rap phenomenon was not um, very helpful.
1: No. And they were and responsible
3: I, for igniting that.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it, to this day, uh, anytime on like Fox News or Rush Limbaugh or whatever, anytime they talk about rap, it's in those terms. Um, they apply yeah. those stereotypes to all rap, which of course is absolutely not the case. Um, I mean, look at an insane clown posse. <laughs> they That's rap right. about, they rap about miracles and shit.
3: Yeah. And many other wholesome things.
1: Yes. Definitely very wholesome. If I just remembered actually, um, after we taped last week, I remember seeing, uh, I think it was on Howard Stern back in like the nineties at some point. Um, he had ICP on. And, uh, the only thing I remember from the interview that I watched is, uh, he asked them, uh, so is it true that you guys killed your parents? And, uh, either Jay or Shaggy, I can't remember which one, says, uh, that's not for you to speculate, (laughs) (laughs) which I just thought was fucking hilarious. Uh, so, uh, Andy, why don't you tell, uh, Manny what your reaction was to miracles. Cause you hadn't heard any of it beyond uh fucking magnets. How do they work?
2: Well, no, I, I had, but I didn't never really paid attention to it. And then when you kind of like explained it and broke it down, I was like, yeah, I, I, you know, I was like, uh, I'm, I'm down with that idea. So I said, I was down with the clown.
1: Yeah. Whoop. Whoop.
3: Whoop. whoop.
2: <laughs>
3: but, but it sounds like from your tone there that you were saying something else before that. I don't remember.
1: No no he that's basically what he said uh that uh he he dug the message of it of that song unironically that it's a good message that we should look at uh life as a miracle and have more wonder about things
3: I try to take Well that that's touch. good man I was afraid I was going to have to hand out a beatdown before this contest ended. <laughs>
2: Well, I also told him about the the, the skit where the uh, the father's walking into the uh, kitchen talking to his oh, son who's yeah, right. wearing ICP makeup, and he's like, "What are you what What are you doing with your life? What What do you have? You know, what is this?" And then the camera pans around and it shows him in kiss makeup. So after that, after I saw that, I never really could say anything about ICP. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's very true. <laughs>
2: I think I said after that twice there. Anyhow.
1: Um. So I guess. Uh... I mean i think i've said pretty much what i have to say about uh these two artists unless i mean i can't think of anything else um
2: i participated in a folk rock cover of bring the noise once <laughs>
1: that would be interesting <laughs>
2: I, can't, I can't really i, I could send it to you i can't post it publicly but i could send it to you
1: yeah yeah sure um for sure i would check that out um I guess uh, maybe the only other thing that I would say is that I had this friend um, in uh, grade school and junior high named John Peterson, and uh, his family was uh, very rich, and he kind of uh, had affluenza, you could say, that uh, they just (laughs) let him do, like, whatever the hell he wanted to do and get whatever the hell he wanted. So I would go over to his house, and uh, I would have been, like, 11 or 12 or whatever, so, like listening to, like, the the NWA records or, like, uh, Ice Cube and uh, Slick Rick. Are you familiar with that one, Manny? I know Slick Rick. You know Slick Rick?
2: A little bit, a little bit. Didn't he go to jail for a while? Yeah,
1: for a long while. Um, (laughs) A long while? (laughs) Yeah, a long while. Um, But, yeah, so, like, hearing, uh, like, what I now recognize as being, like, extremely misogynistic lyrics, uh, I thought were... Freaking fantastic when I was like eleven or whatever. I thought that was great. <laughs> uh, he, but uh, Slick
2: Rick was great. Is that what you're saying? I'm, I I I lost the thought there.
1: Uh, listening to uh, his lyrics when I was like eleven, um, I thought were great. Um, they were very uh, misogynistic, extremely misogynistic. Oh, okay, gotcha. um, but he was an extremely skilled rapper, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, just what he chose to rap about was a bit unfortunate. Um, but, uh, I'm certainly sticking with Public Enemy without a second thought.
2: You didn't change my mind.
1: Yeah. I imagine we're all three of us are, uh, sticking with Public Enemy.
3: For sure.
1: So, uh, any final thoughts from you guys about anything? (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't have to be about Public Enemy. I want to hear that folk
3: rock cover of, uh, Bring the Noise. Yeah, I'll send it to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. By the way, the um, theme song for this podcast is fucking awesome.
2: One of these days, I will do a completed version of it, but for now, it seems to what I, what's there seems to work.
1: Yeah, it's it's great as is. Um, first time I heard it, I was like, yes,
2: fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> the positive feedback has kept me from doing another one, but at some point, I will.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want to fill it out with like the uh, drums and all that, that would be great. But beyond that, I don't think it needs to change any
2: some point, maybe when we get to season two, <laughs> you know, like the, the the theme from Cheers evolved over the seasons. I've, I learned it that did. watching it uh, binge watching on Netflix.
1: Yeah, we've uh, each
2: each season it changed a little bit.
1: Yeah, we've been watching Cheers again too. Uh, was Cheers a, is always awesome. Yeah, that was a really really. I mean, I remember watching it as a kid and I thought it was funny, you know. But watching it now, that was a really good show.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Very uh, forward-thinking.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, it makes a nice break from uh, Friends, which is what my girlfriend usually watches.
2: Yikes. my yeah, like, cheers. Way, 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 way better than like <laughs> yeah. all those. Uh, greater than, greater than, greater than, greater than. <laughs>
1: like, I, I know uh, intimately every episode uh, of Friends at this point.
2: Yikes. I can only say that about Cheers and <laughs> some seasons of Night Court.
1: Yeah, she's watching uh um she's watching Frasier right now. So, uh, that's Frasier's also pretty good. To. You know what's
2: a good one is? Uh, news Radio.
1: I never watched News Radio.
2: That is that's a really good one. If you can find it anywhere, it's that's a good one. There's only like 5 seasons, it's, you know, Phil Hartman is is awesome.
1: Is it streaming anywhere that you know of?
2: I don't know. I have the DVD set, so. I don't huh. know.
1: Yeah. I don't even I don't even own a DVD player anymore. I mean, I guess I have a computer, but
2: I, I still don't. have a VHS player. Really? It's not hooked up, but I have one.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you seem like the guy who has like just a ton of shit in your garage.
2: Uh, it's in the house mostly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but a ton of gear but you though. You do I have, have a ton of shit.
2: I, yeah, I have quite a bit of yeah.
1: Assorted gear.
2: <laughs> yeah I still, I have a I have a nice Kenwood cassette deck and
3: do you have a Moog synthesizer?
2: Do I, I do not have a Moog synthesizer. I have a uh, I have a plugin that simulates a Moog synthesizer and a <laughs> MIDI controller with which to control the uh simulated Moog, synth- Moog synthesizer
1: Well how about, how about this uh how many guitars
2: uh, I think seven guitars, two basses.
1: Dang. Wow. <laughs> for Most someone... of them are
2: pretty cheap. I, I buy the, the super cheap ones.
1: Well, yeah, but for somebody who, I was going to say, for somebody who's not rich, that's pretty impressive.
2: I'm definitely not rich. <laughs>
1: <Yes>.
2: <laughs> I'm just really good at spending money. <laughs>
1: And do you have like a, a full drum set, or do you just use like a drum machines?
2: I I use uh, programs. I do have a uh, a, a uh, electronic drum set, a little Yamaha kit, just to play right. around with. But I normally use uh, loops and and programs because I'm not the most skilled drummer. Yeah.
1: And uh, also, you have a uh, like um, not free. Um, plugins for your software like lots of that as well
2: oh yeah I've uh, bought a plugin or three
1: <laughs> because you are basically always writing and recording correct
2: I take breaks yeah. But, but yeah I do it a lot <laughs> <But usually. laughs> I'm in a uh, out of the park baseball video game break at the moment Oh, uh,
1: yeah, that's, that's always good. I actually, I've, uh, i usually have, uh, play football manager and I've been obsessed with football manager ever since I got into it. But, um, just yesterday I discovered, I don't know if I've, have you guys ever played, uh, Hollywood mogul? Any versions of that? I think I
2: played that once. Yeah. A lo- long yeah. time ago.
1: Yeah. I discovered that all, like the, Best, most upgraded version is free now, and I downloaded it yesterday. And that was probably that was probably a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I I am making some
2: movies at
3: the studio.
1: Yep, yep, yep. I'm a billionaire already on it. uh,
3: Sweet. Speaking of that kind of stuff, did anybody catch the score of the Braves game tonight? (laughs) uh, What Max Scherzer two hit shutout?
2: You go the full No walks, ten Ks.
1: Yeah, Yep. Yeah, no walks, ten Ks. Yeah. Oh shit! That's, that's such a
2: that's a that's a rarity in today's baseball.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we we were talking about this. I believe it was last week. Um, what's your guess, Manny, on uh, how long Gabe Kapler lasts?
3: <laughs> wow, that's a good question. I would say definitely <laughs> he will not make it through the year. Uh, he'll make it past the All Star break. Though. Yeah.
2: He'll make it longer than Tony Perez did with the Reds? Probably. <laughs>
3: that
1: that was not very how long.
3: long Tony Perez managed the Reds.
1: but It was only like a couple of weeks, wasn't it?
3: It was 40 games, I think.
1: 40 games? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Might have been less than that. Might have been 30 games.
1: Yeah, and then Marge shot Cannon. Some Speaking team of... needs to
2: bring. No, that was Jim Bowden that him.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. It was Boy Wonder. That's
2: right. Um, Someone needs to bring back the College of Coaches.
1: I don't know what that is.
2: The Chicago Cubs, there was one year where they decided they weren't going to have a manager. They were going to have like eight coaches and let them take turns managing.
1: Wow, I wasn't even aware that that happened and I'm a Cubs fan. (laughs) I've never heard
2: (laughs) of that either. I'll I'll find the year. I mean, are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. They ended up only like using like 3 or 4 of the guys as actual managers, but the initial plan was to have them ro- all rotate.
1: That so seems like the a very bad of, plan.
2: College of, yeah, it didn't even last the year. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Although it a bad I, I read
2: about it, I read about it in the baseball Hall of Shame book.
1: I I do think though, uh I kind of think in in basketball at least, um in a lot of cases unless you have like Phil Jackson or uh Greg Popovich i think he'd probably be better served just letting the players coach themselves for the most part um that's kind of a weird opinion that i have um, it's
2: 1961
1: well it worked back then i mean bill russell yeah. was player coach and he they won titles so
3: yeah and whenever they stick a microphone the in the things what those, i was talking like, about team huddles the coach is, like, screaming things like, everybody remembered to rebound. Everybody remembered to yeah. rebound.
1: Yeah, it's like shit that they already know. It's not like
3: they're, yeah. like,
1: diagnosing coming up with all these, like, great solutions or anything. Um I mean, I think, like, if you're, like, Greg Popovich um, and you have, like, a culture that you've developed, that's a value add. Um, but for the most part, I mean, like, you're a Wizards fan. Um, do you think Scott Brooks is doing anything for the Wizards?
3: Um, I don't know if I'd say I'm a Wizards fan anymore, really. I don't think I can. Uh, I can claim that. So, yeah, I mean, if he is, he is adding a teeny tiny bit.
1: Yeah, not much. And they all they all hate each other uh, without his help. So, or I guess <laughs> they just all hate John Wall. <laughs> pretty I think
2: Wizards is. is more offensive than bullets. What do you think?
1: Is it discriminatory against wizards?
2: It just, you know, some people's first thought might be grand wizards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe I they agree. should make that. Maybe and that's more offensive that than bullets. <laughs> Whereas, uh, at the time they changed that, uh, Washington, D.C. was the murder capital of the world, so.
3: That's why they were called the
1: Bullets. (laughs) Rather unfortunate name.
3: That wasn't actually why they were called the Bullets. (laughs) No. They were originally the Baltimore Bullets. That is true. Which is, of course, alliterative. Exactly. And then when they moved to Washington and there became some controversy around Bullets, they chose another alliterative name, the Washington Wizards.
1: That is true history, ladies and gentlemen
2: a new segment <laughs>
1: well, NBA take history <laughs> uh, so I suppose uh, yeah we're a little bit over time even so we should probably wrap this up uh, but uh, I'm glad that we could help you achieve your dream of coming on this podcast Manny
3: yeah thank you man it's been such a big uh, thing in my you know in my consciousness since I was a little boy. So
1: yeah,
3: it's yeah. amazing. You know, I feel like, um, like, you know, when I thought of it today, as I was walking home from work and I walked by the, um, the Hilton hotel where um, Hinckley shot Reagan. And hey. I was thinking like Hinkley just must've spent his whole childhood, like dreaming of just shooting Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and then he fucking did it. You know, he was just like, went up to him and he was like fucking blam. And that's like what I did tonight.
2: I thought he was programmed by the CIA to to shoot him.
3: No, he was trying to he was trying to impress
1: uh, Jodie Foster.
2: Oh, that's right. Uh, I participated in a song about that too. Oh yeah, it's called Jodie Foster. Yeah, called wow. Jodie Foster. Same same band as the um, Bring the Noise thing, actually. Wow, that's funny. Yeah,
1: that's fantastic. Jodie
2: Foster, I must impress. <laughs> I'll send you that one. It'll know, be man. like I a, pr- it'll a private forty-five side A, side B.
1: When all else fails, shoot Reagan.
3: Yeah, that was his dream, man.
1: It was. It was. So I'm glad we could help you to achieve uh, your dream. And uh
2: <laughs> I'm surprised it, you weren't too nervous to talk.
1: I know. I know. Y- you held up very well, considering.
3: Very well what?
1: I said you held up very well, considering. How considering nervous you must what? have been. How
3: nervous you must have been. Oh, after, yeah uh,
2: After a whole life of waiting and dreaming
3: But that's what I'm saying, man I just stepped up and I would like You know, fucking shot him in the face <laughs> That's what this felt like to me That reminds me of well, the, you,
2: you at least hit the knee
1: It, it reminds me of uh...
3: <laughs> Well, that's good enough
1: it, it calls to mind uh, the first time I, I got to see Phil Collins um, perform live. Uh, basically, uh,
2: An
3: amazing experience thing. for you, I'm sure. Yeah. You shot him in the face?
1: No, no. Of course, I would never do anything to hurt Phil Collins. What? I love Phil Collins. That's
3: kind this of his like, lifelong you dream talk to about see Phil Collins.
2: He's just seeing him. Just seeing uh, Phil Collins is what he's saying. I mean, yeah. nobody
3: has lived a perfect life, but that's no, really fucked up, man. I don't know. Phil I'm Collins
2: like, was like shooting Ronald Reagan in the face. What don't you understand?
3: Yeah, I you're am, talking about like misogynistic lyrics. didn't have to and shoot you him. shot another person in the face?
1: <laughs> no, I am I am the world's biggest Phil Collins fan. Hands down. I have seen every Phil Collins live show ever.
3: So it was like a you know, you don't want anybody to appreciate him but you kind of thing? <laughs> no,
1: I did not shoot Phil Collins I don't know where this miscommunication came from I would never do anything to hurt No one will on ever enjoy
3: Collins Phil head. Like I enjoy Phil
1: Exactly yeah.
3: Leave No, that's fine I mean, it took you a to go, really Phil. long time to deny it Which is kind of weird But, I, you know, I totally believe you
1: Leave Phil Collins
3: alone, okay? <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say, but
2: <laughs> You didn't, I guess <laughs> It's too late for that.
3: Yeah, it's
2: yeah. Andy no, and I I'm are both convinced. I mean he's he now he's horribly disfigured. Haven't you seen that? <laughs>
3: yeah. Your denials went awfully hollow. I mean it's not just me saying that.
1: I'm I'm sorry, Phil. I
2: I realized it immediately.
1: I'm so sorry, Phil. We'll always have against all odds.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so is it... We should probably wrap it up, uh, given that, yeah, that note, sounds
3: like an appropriate you know, to close I've shot either. Phil Collins yeah. in
1: the face. Of, uh but uh we would uh love to have you on again, I'm sure. Uh if there's another uh couple bands that strike your fancy. Um
3: Yeah, definitely, man. Especially if one of them is insane Clown posse. That would be fun.
1: Yeah, I would love to have you on to talk about insane Clown posse maybe we could just do insane versus, clown uh, posse and kiss. I mean
2: here? that
1: versus kiss.
2: Sure, I mean,
3: those,
1: those are your yeah, obsessions. Interesting. And I I have no dog in that hunt, so you two could duke it out.
3: That would be pretty ooh. fucking fresh,
2: actually. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, we should do that. It makes sense to me.
1: All right. Yeah, we'll plan on it. And uh, we do have a guest uh, lined up for next week, um, which is my cousin Ryan, and he is a Alice in Chains super fan, and we'll be talking about Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam. And I'm sure I will mention how easy it is um to troll him online. Um me just saying Pearl Jam is way better than uh Alice in Chains and I get an essay <laughs> <of> response. So <laughs> uh, and uh with that, uh have a good week, everybody.
3: Later. All right. Peace.